dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. We all know the value of separating our work life from our private life, but are we always aware of the value that could come by integrating the two? What would change about my personal life if I brought my work and dedication home? What would change about my work life if I integrated the heart and the values that I hold as an individual person into it? These questions have immense potential to change the trajectory of our lives. Hi everybody, I am just thrilled to have the opportunity to explore with you uh, something that I don't think a lot of us have ever really given thought to. Uh, most of the time when we listen to talks or we go through our, our day, we, we kind of like go through the same questions over and over again. You know, it's kind of like when I, as a priest, I want to preach. If I want to keep people's attention, I have to talk about something that's dramatic or something that touches the world of evil or sin, you know, just to kind of get some attention. Because if you talk about the norm, the beautiful, deep mysteries of the faith, people tend to go to sleep. <laughs> Now, they'll get mad every time I say that, and they say, no, 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 that's not the case. But it actually is. Like, most of the time, we allow our faith to be a very boring thing. And it doesn't have to be. As a matter of fact, I would like to push a little bit on the envelope, the box that surrounds most of our understanding of the faith. I'd like to push on a little bit and say, here's a question that I bet you haven't thought of before. Why shouldn't I bring my work Home with me. I want you to think about that again because we take it for granted that you're not supposed to bring work home. My question to you is, why not? Now, before we jump into that, let's go ahead and say a prayer here because obviously we're going to need divine assistance with this one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so the question that I, that I pose to you is one that I really want you to take seriously. We, we take it for granted, right, that we should not bring work home with us. And I think we also take it for granted, unfortunately, for most of us, that we should not take home into work. I mean, and, and you could see why. I want to spend a little bit of time because there's always two sides to the story. Right? And the first side is, is the reason why it's good to have that separation. 
All right. So on the one hand, if you take home and the dramas and the joys that come to home into work, it's going to interrupt with your efficiency. I mean, as a person who has employees himself, let me tell you, you know, the last thing that you want is everybody not focusing on the tasks that they have at hand because their energy is divided. We all know that when things are we're sick or when things are going bad at home, it's really hard to stay focused on our job. Our work load usually suffers when our personal life is in disorder, right? So the easiest thing to say is, hey, look, there's a relationship of justice that's been established at this workplace where because of the exchange of money, there is a certain establishment of protection of rights. And just as the employee has the, the protection of law to ensure that they're not uh, taken advantage of by the employer, the employer also has certain rights. And usually in those rights, if it's an at-will employment, is the right to dismiss an employee. And the reason the grounds for dismissal are, cannot be personal. They can, however, be linked to questions of efficiency. So when a, an employee is not able to deliver the goods to the degree that's satisfactory to the employer, provided that fairness is respected, well, that employee can be dismissed. None of us want to be dismissed, right? And so we end up saying, okay, that's it. Like, therefore, home stays at home. I need to deliver the goods. And then if you're in a competitive environment, in a competitive business, well, then, I mean, like, you know, employees are willing to go to great lengths. I've always been amazed. I'm thinking to myself, these are people that don't have time to pray, don't have time to play with their kids, but boy, do they have time to work, you know? What if we could take that energy that the work is asking of them and then say, can you not put that behind the gospel? Couldn't you work for someone else instead of working for the man, so to speak, working for the man upstairs? Wouldn't that be refreshing, right? And so, you know, like I'll give you a story. I remember I was standing on the 34th floor of the World Financial Center in downtown Manhattan. And I was speaking with a man who worked for a legal firm. He was a lawyer and he was in his fifth year with a firm. And he said, that's very rare because most of the time, People only work there three years and then they burn out and the company does it on purpose. It's almost like they know that the company knows that this is just a stepping stone for most people on their career path upward. And so they just ask the person to just kill themselves for the job. And he, and, and, and he had lasted for five years and I said, what happens with you? And he said, well, I've been given a management position in the, in the firm. And I said, well, that must be nice. I guess you get to work less. And he smiled and he said, no, no, no. If you get the management leadership positions, it means that you actually have to work more. I said, work more? He said, yeah, sometimes 18 hours a day. Now, the man speaking to me had five children, five. And I was asking him how in the world he could have so many. He said, well, most people don't have children in this job because they just can't. And then he pointed to me a high rise, a beautiful apartment right outside the World Financial Center. And he said, those apartments there, they go for, you know, $9,000 a month, $10,000 a month. And the reason why you get that apartment is so that you can just walk to work. And then this is where you live. And your family is raised basically by a nanny or someone else. Now, I'm sure it's not always that dire. I'm sure that there's exceptions to it. But what struck me about this guy is that he was actually doing that. He was willing to put in that kind of work for his job. And his job was willing to demand from him that kind of commitment, 
there was an absolute segregation between his personal life and his work life. His work life had its own laws and the law was efficiency and maximal output, right? And so obviously that's not so bad. It's actually necessary and good. Now, on the other hand, if you don't separate the two, could you imagine if a fellow like that brought his work home? I mean, like it would be terrible. And some of us do that. And we recognize how detrimental that can be to the family when we do that, right? Because you end up talking about a world that doesn't belong to them. And the world of the family is a world of, of unconditional love. So just like you're dominated by efficiency in the workplace, you end up being dominated by unconditional love. And the two end up never talking. And most of us say, this is the way it is. Some things will never change. And this is a good thing. I'd like to ask you to take a look at that because I wonder what would happen if we brought them together. As a matter of fact, Pope Francis in his encyclical letter or his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, in paragraph number 273, 274, he actually talks about the power that could happen if we integrate those two. And I want to explore that with you. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so we can't emphasize enough that there is a value, right, in separating work and family. I'm about to kind of propose an integration between the two, but it's always in a balance, right? It's not an either or proposition of either I integrate or I separate. No, the integration that I'm talking about is one that respects the domains. It's almost like what they say in philosophy. There's this, they say, we distinguish between ideas, but we don't separate them. In other words, a lot of truth has a unique kind of character and unique flavor to it. But at the same time, it has distinct uh, facets to it that are respected. And here you have a very simple truth and it's called integration. And that integration of family life and work life actually will entail a kind of distinction at the same time. It's just that I see the value of what we're trying to get at. Look, you need to get your work done. You can't be bringing your drama of your home life into it. And since your home life is about love and unconditional love, you shouldn't be talking about demands, talking about justice, talking about payments, talking about the stress and the real anxieties that can be on your mind. I just kind of laugh though, because I'm looking at you guys and I'm saying, and yet think about what that, what does that do for you as a worker? I mean, you walk at home and you have this invisible world of, of absolute complete stress that you are thinking about all the time that you cannot share because you don't want to share because maybe they don't want to share. Maybe your kids don't want to hear it. Maybe your spouse doesn't want to hear it. That could be the case. So what do you do then? Well, you have these anxieties, these worries, this stress in, on you. And you end up not, you live like almost like a second life. You kind of, I think a lot of people feel like Batman or Catwoman, right? They have like this secret double personality that most people see, <laughs> but actually, you know, like they see only the one side of you and then you leave in the office and you become this other person. 
And what amazes me about you is that you who are engaged in leadership positions in your businesses are absolutely amazing. And I, I want you to hear that clearly from the mouth of a priest. You are a gift from God. Your ability to manage a project, this is a skill that's taken you years of training. Your understanding of the financial marketplace, hello, we need you to talk to the politicians of the world, right? <laughs> like, Because they talk about financial marketplaces. I don't think they actually understand it, right? You're, you're a CPA. You've studied years and years and years. And then after all that study, you passed one of the hardest exams that there is. And then you've done your work for 20 years, auditing, taxes, advice. You're amazing. And that amazingness is not even known by the people in quote unquote, your normal life, your, your non-work life, your private life. I think that's a shame. <laughs> Let me just kind of like on behalf of everybody out there. I think that's a shame. I think that your skill set, your ability to teach, the deep understanding that you have of fine things. I mean, your professors of physics, your teachers of English, your, your, you launched businesses, saw them fail, launched a new ones, saw them fail, and are launching more again and actually succeeding. You've, you've done something few people have done and been able to do. Don't you think that that ought to be shared? But we, we feel like we can't, right? Because then we go home and it's impossible. People don't want to talk about it. People say you're supposed to separate the two. I'm going to challenge that notion. And at the same time, I'm going to challenge the notion that isn't it a shame that your personal life isn't able to be brought to bear in your work? I, I, and I know what you mean. You're like, well, my efficiency will suffer. I don't think it will. I think it can, right? I mean, like all respect there are dramatic people, and yes, there are people that will boggle this, right? But don't boggle it. If you don't boggle it, what can you bring? You can bring your ethics. You can bring your spirit. You can bring your creative energy. I'm thinking of a nurse that I know who used to work in nursing homes. And this nurse in the nursing home would remember people's birthdays, celebrate their birthdays, bring in confetti and balloons on New Year's. She would go way beyond the call of duty of most nursing home nurses that she was working with. She ended up setting a culture. The people loved her because she loved them. She brought her own family history, her own dedication, her own joy into that workplace. And she was an effective nurse, not just of the body, but also of the soul. I mean, like, who doesn't, you, you can tell it. When the nurse comes in and you're in the hospital and there's someone who cares about their nursing, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, what do they do to care about their nursing? They brought their own person to their job. They integrated who they were and what they did. Effective leaders in the workplace have to master that integration. Eventually, you can play the game for a little while, but eventually you burn out. Because if your heart, your person is not in your job, why you're going to end up saying, why in the world would I stay? And I agree with you. Why would you stay? So you don't. You end up leaving. You end up looking for another job, another job, another job. I like to say maybe the solution isn't changing your job. Maybe the solution is finding a job that you can live with 
by being yourself. A job that actually makes you more yourself than less. A job that permits that integration. Just like your family, it's a shame that your talents and your skills can't be known or shared with your kids. So also it's a shame that your, your, your spirit, your joy, your sense of welcome, your emotional intelligence, your education can't be brought into the workplace. Now, obviously there's limits. Obviously there's, but I'm here to say there's an insight that Pope Francis gives us that I think is powerful. Let's listen to him. He says this. This is paragraph 273 of Evangelii Gaudium, the joy of evangelizing. And he says, my mission of being in the heart of the people is not just a part of my life or a badge I can take off. It is not an extra or just another moment in my life. Instead, it is something I cannot uproot from my being without destroying my very self. I am a mission on this earth. That is the reason why I am here in this world. We have to regard ourselves as sealed, even branded by this mission of bringing light, blessing, enlivening, raising up, healing, and freeing. All around us, we begin to see nurses with soul, teachers with soul, politicians with soul, people who have chosen deep down to be with others and for others. But once we separate our work from our private lives, everything turns gray and we will always be seeking recognition or asserting our needs. We stop being a people. Profound words, right? I know it's a long quote, but it, he, I mean, like, look at his vision to be a nurse with soul, a teacher with soul, a politician with soul, a business leader with soul. How do I do that? When he gives it, he says, do not separate your work in your private lives. I just wonder, how is it that we get that done? Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, if we, if we really want to be effective about integrating our work into our family life and our family life into our work, we got to kind of like answer this really basic question. How in the world do we do that? Right? Like practically put, it seems like the two are mutually opposed. That's why I talked a little while ago about the difference between separation and distinction. The two realms are distinct, but they're actually united. What is common between your work and your family? And the answer to that is you. You are at work and you are in your family. And if you are in work and you are in your family, then you bring in yourself your family to your work. And you bring your work to your family. I am proposing to you that your life will be happier to the degree that you are unified. And that one of the biggest struggles that we have is this feeling that our work is not important to our personal life. I, I really think that's a hurt. That's why some people prefer work, right? And they just throw themselves into it. They make it their personal life. 
I think it's almost like because they just don't know how to do it. How do I, the work is so beautiful. It's so challenging. It's so enriching. There's so much that I do. I mean, you actually, some people like going through the door and getting hit by problems. I mean, how wonderful. I remember when I used to work as a roofer uh, and putting down roofs in Northwest Ohio in the sun and how proud I'd be at the end of the day that I could stand up and look back over that roof and I could see a change that I made that wouldn't be undone for 35 years. You know, I'm like, I just made that roof and I was so proud of it. Proud of the, the way it looked, proud of the way it held up, right? Well, that was an amazing experience where, I mean, like I did something amazing. I changed the world and I did it through my work. Well, that, that experience of changing the world through my, and that pride that I take in my work, if I don't have a place for it in my home, I end up preferring work to home because I go home and everything's a mess or I go home and I mean, relationships, they take forever. <laughs> a roof I can lay in a day, a child that takes a lifetime to rear, 21 years of work. And so you just get frustrated because it's such a long-term investment that then you turn back to where you are excellent. We will all have a natural penchant to towards where we are excellent. We all will seek to thrive, not just to survive. It's a law of life where light shines, plants grow, right? Where success is bestowed, people flock. We want to succeed in our life. No one wants to fail. And so if I know that about myself, I got to be careful because I'm going to be successful at my job and we're in home is difficult separation. If I could, on the other hand, say to myself, you know, what's common between those two realms? It's me. Therefore, when I achieve something at work, I need to share that with the kids. I need to share that with my spouse. I know that sometimes the spouse cannot be understanding you come home and you've just done something amazing and your husband who's chosen to stay home with the kids, he's been home all day with the kids and then he just doesn't want to hear about it because he has his needs and they, they need to be met by you understanding what he did with his day, right? And so you can get hurt by that. Well, let me just tell you, that's a great spot to start talking with your spouse and say, we got to correct this, right? Because if you're jealous of me because I get to work in a job that makes me happy and you don't, this is not helpful to our relationship. <laughs> we got to banish this. This is toxic. Okay. I need you to be excited about my success. I'm sorry, but you just got to change that attitude. If your spouses don't support you, you need to talk with them because they got to change that attitude. You need to share it. Why? Because of this, every success that you have at your workplace is a success for the family. Every place where you get qualified and you pass another exam or you learn another skill or you tackle another project is a moment where the family should be proud. Why? Because you're taking your family into that workplace and that success you just endeavored there or engendered there and enjoyed there is a success of the family. It's a member of the family, just like we're proud of a kid who graduates from West Point, graduates from Annapolis and your whole family celebrates, well, guess what? Your whole family should be celebrating when you do that deal and you nail that deal and you've made it happen. Why shouldn't you talk about it at, at home? 
I, and I want to challenge you there. I think that an easy next step to this is to say, I'm going to talk to my spouse about a way and the correct way to communicate what I'm excited about at work with the family. And there's definitely exciting ways to do it. Taking your kids with you in the garbage truck, taking your kids with you to the construction site, letting them get a taste for what mom or dad does every day. This is beautiful and healthy for the family. And on the other hand, taking my family with me into the workplace. Guys, I think here it's honestly a question a lot of time of just plain old self-esteem. We let the peer pressure of our corporate environment dictate our behavior. And since nobody else does it, right, we end up just being a bunch of wimps. I mean, like, when was the last time you were actually sharing something that was important to you from a picture on your desk of your family, which is a terrifically sane and healthy thing to do? I remember being on the construction site with guys, and it was always so reassuring. You'd see their picture of their family up on their uh, their their wind, their shield, their sun shield and their car. So when they'd lower the sun shield down to black the sun, you'd see a picture of their family sticking there. I mean, what a beautiful thing. Because that means to say that, hey, what I'm bringing to this workplace, I'm bringing me. And when I bring me, I bring my heart. I don't bring drama, obviously. I don't bring things that'll take people down. But I bring my history, my values, my religion. People all the time ask me, Father Nathan, what do we do about religion in the workplace? We're not allowed, blah, blah, blah. And I say to them the same thing. Like, you might not be allowed to talk about Jesus out of respect. Although most of the time you still can. I mean, let's be honest. But you might be in a big corporation where you can't. Fine. But you must not hide the values that Jesus Christ has caused in your soul. Warmth, welcome, joy, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, care. You know work workers who are suffering for various things. Everybody needs a smile. Everybody needs a joke. There are ways for you to bring God into that workplace. Remember this adage, where there is love, there is God. In the end, Pope Francis is challenging us here. He's saying that just like an effective evangelizer will be a person who loves people and takes people everywhere he goes, so I'm making that transposition and I'm saying an effective leader will be one who integrates those two aspects. So in his writings of Francis, you've got these, these aspects, personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, the balance of work and prayer. The third thing he says is that an effective evangelizer has to be someone who loves people and who brings the joy of their love for people into their work. And I like to say that's the same for an effective leader and your Christian call as a leader requires and invites an exciting integration. Bring it. Make it happen. Our world will be the better for it. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.